So the landowner said, I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to start off this morning by asking a few questions. But there's no need to get alarmed. You don't need to answer out loud. Just quietly think about a response in your head. First, how long have you been a member of the Episcopal Church? And how long have you been attending this particular church, St. Anne's, in Annapolis? Now look around you, whether you are worshiping in person or online this morning, and if you're here in person, of course, you may actually look around the sanctuary and if you're worshiping online, imagine in your mind's eye those gathered both in the sanctuary and in cyberspace. So looking around, how long do you think they have been Episcopalians and members of this parish? Somewhere in the actual or the virtual pews this morning is someone who has been here the longest and somewhere is someone who has been a member for the shortest amount of time. But do you think that those who have been members longer should have more benefits? Should cradle Episcopalians, members of the Episcopal Church since infancy, be the top dogs while others just get the crumbs that fall from the table? To paraphrase a gospel passage we heard last month from Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, about the faith of the Canaanite woman who begs Jesus to heal her daughter. Should those who have been members longer have more access to pastoral care, more influence with the vestry, get first dibs on the cookies at coffee hour. <laughs> now, of course, these are absurd questions. But what if they were not? Wouldn't that cause us to understand better the sense of outrage expressed by the longer serving laborers in today's gospel story from Matthew? who saw their treatment by the landowner as a matter of unfairness. And if we're really honest with ourselves, can we fail to feel sympathy for those who worked the longest? These hired hands labored harder and longer and got the same pay. How can we not feel a sense of injustice? Being together in community as we are, we inevitably have experiences that allow us to identify with the workers in today's gospel story 
even if the situations are not as serious as economic and social injustice. How many of us with siblings recall growing up feeling that we had to do more than others in the family? And how many firstborn children eventually complain that their parents let younger brothers and sisters have more liberty than they had at their age? Isn't it true that one of the first things we learn in life is to develop a view of what seems fair and what does not? But as mature Christians, one of the first things we learn from today's gospel is that Jesus didn't care much about fairness or unfairness in the way that we tend to think about it. He was not concerned about the ethics of business or labor management relations or who got to what place first. Through the story in today's gospel, Jesus turns our normal views upside down, shaking them out so that we can see more clearly the truth of God's values. Jesus challenges our religious assumptions, affirming a radical understanding of God and our relationship with God that upsets conventional theological views and the tenets of popular psychology. Jesus succeeds in shocking us out of our common misunderstandings of God by affirming a deeper insight into the character and purposes of our creator. He wants to shake us out of our usual self-understanding by opening us to a deeper awareness of ourselves and thereby to help transform us more fully into the imago dei, the image of God. He wants us to experience this parable as a way to learn what lies beyond viewing the events as simply unfair or fair, and to catch a glimpse of the utter, limitless generosity of God. And he wants us to understand that the worth of human beings is not measured by how much we earn in income or how well we perform or how much we may pledge or by any of our usual secular measures, status, popularity, social achievement, productivity, wealth, physical appearance. Jesus yearns for us to understand that our worth as human beings is absolutely affirmed by God who guarantees our value as human beings, God's beloved children, not because of anything we have done or can do, but because of God's creative, life-affirming, abundant, and abiding love for each and every one of us. 
Jesus wants us to know that in the face of our limited worldly understanding of what is fair and unfair, God works with a different reality in a different direction and by different standards. Now God gives us many opportunities throughout our lives to realize our full God-given potential, each in our own unique way. Restricted, of course, by our own personal limitations, but also empowered by our individual talents, those God-given gifts. Jesus wants us to know the overwhelming reality of God's love throughout this wounded world. He especially wants us to recognize the power and presence of God in the life of all of us, of everyone in God's creation, and to honor and respect that. Jesus wants us to know that God calls us to respond positively to what God has given us. And God wants us to work in the vineyard of faith with overflowing hearts and willing bodies. Jesus wants us to know that working and serving in God's world is a great privilege, an amazing opportunity but also an awesome responsibility. But the reward for our service is the joy of knowing that we are part of a great, ongoing, ever-unfolding adventure that gives meaning not only to our own lives, but to the lives of others, including so many people that we don't even know. The reward for serving others is found in knowing that we are part of a Christian process of laboring to leave the world a little better than when we entered it. Perhaps sometimes a lot better. In telling this parable of the laborers in the vineyard, the ones who work different amounts of time for the same pay, Jesus wants us to know that God would have us concentrate on our own spiritual condition and not spend time and energy considering everyone else's. God would have us accept our own individual ultimate worth in God's eyes and our own individual ultimate purpose without comparing our contributions to those of others. So this morning, in the proclamation of that gospel, we heard Jesus turn one of our normal worldly views upside down, inside out. Yet paradoxically, in so doing, according to our faith, Jesus actually places those values right side up. For today's parable teaches that from God's point of view, life is not a matter of fairness or unfairness, of deserving or undeserving. Through today's parable, Jesus reminds us that whatever we have is, after all, 
in the final analysis, a gift from God. And whatever we have is already more than we may deserve. For the real message, I believe, in today's gospel is that God is overwhelmingly generous. It is enough that as Christians, as Episcopalians, and as members of this particular congregation at this particular time, we all have the profound privilege of laboring and serving in God's vineyard. And of course, the temptation is always to believe that somehow those who come to the vineyard first and early are more deserving to stake a higher claim on God's generosity, love, and forgiveness. Yet an even worse temptation is to think that it is ever too late to accept the master's invitation to work in God's vineyard. The good news is that God's grace is so great and so surprising that it can provide enough no matter how late in the day it may be. Even after repeated failures in our lives. Because the recipient need not add anything to the grace. Rather, the recipient should simply receive God's grace, be receptive to it, in order for it to do its life-affirming and sustaining work. For we are all created in God's image to love and to give. We are all beloved children of God, created to be as surprisingly generous with our giving to God and to others as God is with us. It is never too late to journey with Jesus. It is never too late to be open to the movement of the, the Ruach, that wonderful Hebrew word, breath, the Holy Spirit, moving both in our individual lives and in the lives of this congregation. It is never too late to set aside squabbles and gossip and even at times backstabbing and instead commit to building the beloved community in this place, at this moment in time. It's never too late to establish a small corner of God's kingdom right here on earth and throughout the community of Annapolis and far, far beyond. For there are no limits to God's amazing grace and it is never too late to accept it, to embrace it, and to then embark on laboring in the vineyard. Amen. <laughs>